We all want to win. I think I can safely say that. Can I? I mean, we all want to win. I don't know if you took a poll maybe out here and went and said, hey, do you want to win or do you want to lose? I don't know. I mean, you would think that that poll would come back 100%. No, 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 I want to lose. No, I, I just don't think that there's anybody that wants to lose. And, and we learn this about winning and we take on this desire to win early on in life. As soon as you teach a young kid how to, do, to play a game, then they want to win. I mean, it can be as simple as uno, sitting around the table like with your family, right? And you want to win. And, it, and, and if you lose, remember when you lost as a kid, small kid, and you say, oh, let's, let's play again. Let's play again. Because I don't want to end this night on, an, on a losing night. I, let's play it again. Let's play it again. We all want to win, and we learn this desire to win. And then someone comes along in our life, and they teach us a new slogan. And it says this, it's not whether you win or lose, but how you play the game. Okay. Very true from a sportsmanship perspective, okay? But from a competitive perspective, no, no. When my life is over, when I look at my life, I want to be a winner. I don't want to lose. I want to stand on the victor stand. And it was the famous coach from UCLA, the UCLA Bruins football coach, Henry Russell Sanders, who famously said, and this quote has been attributed to other people, but I looked it up, and this is the one that they attribute it to. Winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. Amen? Yes. It's not everything. It's the only thing. So the question is then, how do we win? How do we win in life? There is a way that we can all win in life and have a guaranteed victory. It is this. If you abide in Jesus Christ and keep your faith in him, you will win. You have a guaranteed victory. Not only that, you are a victor right now, if that is true of your life. There is nothing that will able to be able to prevent you from attaining eternal life. There is nothing that will prevent you from standing on the winner's stand. The fact of the matter is, no one can take this victory from you if you will simply abide in Christ. Tonight in our text, the apostle spells this out for us. And he tells us in this text tonight that we're going to look at, not only are we victors, but we're more than conquerors. Yes. Amen? Paul gives us three reasons for our assured victory in Christ. And we're going to look at this tonight. The first one, if you're taking notes, is that we are safe from the enemy. Safe from the enemy. Let's pick it up. In chapter 8 of Romans, verse 31, it says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We're safe. 
from the enemy. Paul asked another question here. Paul likes that method, right? He asks a lot of questions. You read Paul's letters. He asks a lot of questions. I think we can learn a lot by asking questions. And a lot of these are rhetorical questions, of course. But he asked another question. Question, what shall we say about these things? Last time we read about how that we who are in Christ and are called according to his purpose are predestined for glory. In other words, and, and, and not only that, but he said that God is working in all things in our life to in the lives of those who, are, who love him and are called according to purpose, he's working in all those things to bring about his purpose in our lives. And so Paul is asking the question, well, what should we say about this then? If, if that's true, if, if, if you love God and you're, you're called according to his purpose and God is working all things in your life together to bring about his purpose in your life, which is to bring you into the glory of God, Amen? Then what shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can stand against? It's God. It's, it's, it's the God of the universe. It's the creator. It's, it's, it's the very one. It's the logos. It's the creator that we see in Genesis 1. It's the logos whom we see in John 1. And, and he's the one who is doing these things and he's working in our lives and he's bringing about his purpose. And so Paul says, well, who can stand against this? I mean, he, you know, to say he moves the mountains is just not even like, I mean, goodness, he, he set this whole world. He set the foundations of this earth in place. Certainly established the mountains and, 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 and the sky and he separated the, waters above from the waters beneath and set the firmament all the things and he the the, the the sun and the moon and the lights that govern the day and the night and he's doing all this in our lives who if god is for us who can be against us who can be against us the conclusion is that if god has predestined us for glory and if he's working all things for our good according to his purpose which brings us into the glory that we can't be touched. We can't be touched. We're victorious in Christ. There is no one who can stand against God. So if we have God working for our good and his purpose, we will win. Not only will we win, but we are winners now. Amen? We're victors. We're victorious the enemy can bother us, certainly. The enemy can bother, try to distract, but he cannot defeat us if we continue to abide in Christ. God will not allow this. We are safe from the enemy. Well, there's a bunch of other stuff that happens in our life, right? It's not always the enemy. Sometimes it's, it could be another person it could be circumstances that might try to get us down and those are usually when you know you ever see in the movies where you know things are going bad and bad and bad and then 
something happens. It's not even an interpersonal thing. It's like a flat tire, and the flat tire causes them to be late to the job interview or whatever. And it's just it's a spiraling out of control, right? God's working. In, God's working in all things. Yeah. I mean, if 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 we've got a if we've got a a flat tire, man, I. I, I tell you what, man, I, I, I'm always thinking about what God's doing uh, in, in, in terms of timing, in terms of positioning me even geographically. Right. Oh, I didn't make that light. Oh, well, I'm going to be late. Well, maybe, it, maybe it's a good thing. You know, got that flat tire, got this, 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 this. Maybe God wanted me to talk to this person. Maybe God orchestrated this situation. God's working in all things in the lives of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And he's, and he's bringing that purpose about in our lives. And, and, and no one can stand against. If God is for us, who can stand against us? Who can be against us? Amen? And it, not even another person. Not even another person. So we need to learn from that. And not allow, you know, when things happen, and maybe it is interpersonal, something is just going bad, you know, with another person. We need to step back and just have that kind of adult Christian perspective, right? We need to not be like, you know, I was, I don't know where this came up. This is just coming to my mind right now. We all have like this child within us. Like sometimes we want to be 10, you know, <laughs> you know, but we're not 10, we're not 10. We're however we are, old we are. And however, wherever we are in our relationship with Christ, and it's time that we kind of took on these things. It's, it's time that we took on this perspective. And that's what Paul wants us to do. He's encouraging us. Christian, you need to think this way. This is the, this is the worldview that you need to have. Everybody's got their worldview. There are people out there that have basically a fatal... Fatalism is their worldview. And, and they'll say, you know, it wasn't meant to be, or it's going to be, or, you know, and, and, and they're not even attributing that to like God working. They're just saying something out here is just, you know, working. Some other force, some other roll of the dice, some other thing of chance you know but uh we've got god we've got god and if god is for us who can be against us now the then the next question is how much is god for us right let's look at that verse again he says what then shall we say to these things if god is for us who can be against us and i ask the question well how much is he for us how much is he for us well paul kind of answers that question he says he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things how much is god for us you might be here tonight and say well let me think about that. Let me think. Not quite sure. Not quite sure. Well, let, me, let me just think about it for a second. How much is he for us? How much is he for us? Well, there it is. He, he gave us his one and only son. This is the way Paul said it in this verse. He said, God did not spare his own son. And what, 
what he is basically, the way he worded that is he's hearkening the readers back to another occasion, to the Old Testament, when someone did offer their son, but their son was spared. You remember in Genesis chapter 22, God had asked Abraham to go on a journey, a three-day journey up to the area of Moriah, up to Mount Moriah, and offer his son Isaac on an altar there to build an altar and offer his son as a sacrifice to God, to the Lord. And they got all the way up there. And you remember the story because you guys are, gen- every, you guys are Genesis pros, right? Genesis 22. Just as Abraham was about to take the life of Isaac to offer him as a sacrifice, God stopped him, right? God stopped him. God spared him. And then he looked over, and there in the thicket was the ram caught in the thicket. So what Paul is saying here is, this is how much God is for you, that when it came time for that exact same situation with God and his son, he didn't spare his son, but he gave his son for you so that you could be totally free, so that you could be a winner, so that you could be a conqueror, more than a conqueror, so that you could be that person. So when it came right down to the moment when it was his son, when he was giving his son, Paul says, God did not spare his own son. He did not spare his own son. God did spare Abraham's son, Isaac. This is how much God is for you, that he did not spare his own son and gave him for you, gave him for the world. And because he did that, Paul says, will he not also freely give us all things that we need so that he can bring us to the ultimate goal of our glorification with him? I mean, one of the things I've learned in Scripture from probably, you know, as a young boy and then in Bible college, and I remember when I did my first exegesis paper, right? Hermeneutics. (laughs) Hermeneutics paper, right? I remember I did my paper on this passage in Acts 4 where the apostles... uh, Peter and John had just been arrested and spent the night under arrest in custody and were basically called in and threatened to not preach in the name of Jesus ever, ever again. So what did they do? They immediately, upon the release, went right back to the disciples, had a prayer meeting, and prayed for boldness to preach in Jesus' name. Amen? But one of the things they asked in that prayer, and this has stuck with me ever since then, and I pray it all the time. I I, I must pray this every day because it has stuck with me from that passage. They asked him to stretch forth his hand. God, stretch forth your hand to do your will. Amen? And God always stretches forth his hand to do his will. And that's why when we pray for that, we can be confident. And God's will and purpose is to work in your life to bring about, to bring about that which will bring you into his presence without fault, 
blameless and glorified. Amen? In that winning state. So this is what God is going to do. And this is how much he loves you. This is how much he's for you. Peter put it this way in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. As his divine power has given to, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So we're, whereas Paul is saying, will he not freely give you all things that you need for this life? Well, he's... He is giving you all things. He's given you all things. He has given you all things, and he will give you all things. He will give you everything that you need to live this life in him. Amen? We can, we can, you, you, know, you can just be encouraged in that tonight. Have you ever felt like, man, I don't have what I need. I don't have what I need. God will give you all things that you have need of. Amen? If you believe that, then whatever it is you feel like you're lacking, well, then it's either not yet that God is going to bring that into your life or you don't need it. Amen? And you already possess, you already have what you need. And you need to rely on his power. You need to rely on that and change your perspective on that. Because Peter says that he's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Amen? So we're safe from the enemy. Secondly, tonight, we'll, we're going to be winners. And he says that he has silenced the accusation. He has silenced the accusation. Let's look at it. Verse 33 of Romans 8. He says, who shall bring a charge against God, God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So he, he silences, we are going to win because we're saved from the enemy, also because he has silenced, will silence the accuser. Paul continue, continues with a question, another question. He's a man of many questions. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect or God's chosen? First of, all, first of all, are you one of the elect? Are you one of the chosen of God? Amen? Anybody here? Amen. Amen. You're chosen. You're chosen. God chose you to be in him before the foundation of the world. Amen? You say, well, I'm not chosen. Well, then choose God and you'll discover that you were chosen. Amen? <laughs> I want to be picked. I want to be picked. I want to be chosen. Remember when you wanted to be picked? Well, good. Well, then choose God, and you'll turn around, you'll realize you've been chosen. You've been chosen from the foundation of the world. God already knows who will, by their own choice, their own free choice, will choose him. So choose him, and you are chosen. Amen? People feel, sometimes people get to a point in their life and they, they literally do feel like their sin will get the best of them, that their sin will bring them down. The fact of the matter is that our sin has already brought us down. Amen? 
you, you think, oh, well, well certainly my sin's going to be, my sin's going get to get the best of me. Uh, it's going to bring me down. No, no, no. You, you, you've already been brought as low as you can by your sin. God's already picked you up out of a miry pit and set your feet up on a rock. And if you'll abide in him, if you'll stay in him, Paul says, who will bring a charge against God's chosen? No one can bring a charge. Satan is called in the Bible, he's called many things. There's many names. But he's the accuser of the brethren, right? Whenever you get around that accusatory type person, you know, always accusing, always accusing. You can, you can, you know, chances are <laughs> they're, they're doing the, they're, they're, they're more in league with the enemy because they're bringing, once you've been forgiven, once you know that God's set you free, once you know that God stepped up to the, into the courtroom and he said, yeah, this one's one of mine, let him go. I took the penalty. I paid the price. Once you realize that that was you, you become less of an accusatory person. You're not, you're, you, you, you know, when I see people pointing fingers and all that, oh, help me help you. <laughs> help me help you to understand the grace of God. Help me, to under, help me to help you understand that you were that one that was condemned and Jesus Christ, the righteous, the advocate, he took your place. He stepped up to the bar and he said dad I took care I'm he's good he's good she's good dad and you went free no one can bring a charge no one can even bring a charge the the accusation will be silenced it will be thrown out of court Jesus has said and will say, I've already taken care of these charges. Bailiff, you can come and remove this person in the black suit to take him out of the shackles. And, or maybe you were in an orange suit. <laughs> you don't want to end up in one of those orange suits, right? I remember when Mary Jo and I were dating um, and uh, you know she lived out in the country. Mary Jo grew up on five acres, five acre plot of land out in the country where you had to like to drive out to her house, you would be like, you know, cow, you know, cornfields and cow pastures and manure and and all kinds of stuff. But but Mary Jo was waiting for me when I passed through all of that. You know? And one night it got kind of late and you know, finally had to leave. We had to say our goodbyes. And I had to make the trek across the wilderness of the nowhereville. And I remember on this particular night, I was driving, and I'm literally, I'm, 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 when I'm telling you I'm out in the country, I'm, I mean, I'm out in the, I mean, there's barns and silos and stuff, okay, and fences. And on this particular night, all of a sudden, I see the, the blue lights flashing behind me. I'm thinking to myself, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. What did I do? What's going on? Pulled me over. He told me that I was speeding. He didn't have me on radar, but that he, I don't know what the term is, where they clock you. 
with their cruiser. I guess it's a pacing technique. And I said, okay. Well, I got, you know, next day I said, well, I don't think I was speeding. I think I was, I was good. I don't think this, I don't think this is right. And, and, and also I'm like 20. So I'm, it's like, not only did I not think I was right, I was 20, so I didn't even realize that I could be wrong. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to court. I'm going down to the courthouse. Where's my court date? Yep, I'm going to go fight it. So I go fight the ticket. I get down there. It's the middle of summer. I get down there to the court. I walk into the courtroom. And I come up, and, there, and the bailiff sees me. And he gets my attention, and come here, come here. He says, you can't wear shorts in here. I'm like, what? <laughs> you can't wear shorts? It's the summertime. It's not going to go well for you with the judge if you wear shorts. <laughs> says, I said, what do I do? He says, well... How far do you live from here? Well, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Try to run, get some pants on, <laughs> come back, and in the meantime, I will answer up for you. This is what the bailiff, I, don't, I have no idea why this happened. So, he, so I, I do that, I run home, I get, get pants on, I come back to the courthouse, famous courthouse in Manassas. If you want to know why it's famous, you'd ask me after the service. <laughs> Trust me, it's famous. <laughs> Dave can tell you. Uh, um, where was I? <laughs> oh, I got my pants. Yeah, and that other thing has to do with that, too. <laughs> um. So I have my pants on now and, and uh, no shorts, so I'm acceptable. I come back in. Now I'm waiting. After a little while, the judge calls out a bunch of names, and he says, he lists all these names, and he says, you're good. You're free to go. And that was one of my names. And I didn't understand what just happened. I was like, okay, what what did, what did I miss? What, did, what happened? And, and I think someone saw me from the court, and they saw that I was confused, and they came over to me. And they said, let me explain what happened. A man in front of you also challenged the same officer and actually proved that the calibration on his cruiser was out of date, and so the judge had to throw out all the charges. Amen? Amen. No one can bring a charge. <laughs> Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It will be thrown out of court. Amen? It's amazing. It's amazing. So the case is thrown out. The charge is thrown out. Christ died for us, and he's now at the right hand of God praying for you in every situation. We've been talking about this. This is a theme that has actually come up, not only on Wednesday nights in, in, in Romans, but we talked about it 
in our Who Is Jesus series, we talked about the, the golden altar of incense and the, and the prayer of our Savior Jesus who intercedes at the right hand of the Father, who's interceding for us on our behalf. He's, he's interceding. Look at that. Verse 33, 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. It was even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Amen? And then the writer of Hebrews says something similar. In Hebrews 7, 25, you'll see it on the screen behind me where he says, therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. What's that? Since he always lives to make intercession. God is going to see you through. Jesus, your Savior, is able to save to the uttermost. When you feel like, well, this is going to get the best of me, who can bring a charge against you? No, the, ac the accusation will be silenced. It's thrown out of court. Amen? Right. Amen. And then one last point tonight. You're secure in Christ. You're secure in Christ. Let's pick it up, verse 35. Who shall, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are secure in Christ. Who shall separate us? To even think for a minute that, you, that you're not secure in Christ. To even contemplate the, the, the question, are you secure? Who, who shall separate us? Who is it that's going to separate us? What is it that's going to separate you from the love of Christ? Can we be separated? Paul brings up seven things that people might suggest as things that could. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword. He actually quotes from Psalm 44, verse 22. The people of God will face affliction. There will be people that will come against us. Look, look at that. He quotes from Psalm 44. For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Like, you know, you, you can even feel like, hey, we're, we're just sitting sheep. I was going to say sitting ducks, right? You, sitting ducks, but sheep for the slaughter. I mean, you know, we're just... We're just People are taking, you know, shooting practice, trying to take us out. Is one of these things going to take us out? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sore? No. He says, yet in every one of these situations, think about those seven. Think about being in one of those seven. Think about being in all seven. You could, you could be in all seven, right? You could be naked. <laughs> you could have a 
You know, gun to your head, naked, in peril, hungry, persecuted, distressed, the whole thing. Can any of that separate you from the love of Christ? Can any of it separate you from the love of God? Nothing can. The love of God is bigger than any problem that could arise. Any problem that you have, Christian, the love of God is greater still. You cannot be separated from the love of God. And he says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. Even those who have been martyred. Those that have been martyred, I mean, if, 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 you're, if, you, well, if you give your life for your faith, your life is taken from you. Paul says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the, with the Lord. In Philippians, he's literally sitting there going, should I stay or should I go? Should I go or should I stay? If I go, it's great. If I stay, I guess it's Christ. To live is Christ. To die is gain. What should I do? Which way should I go? That's what he's actually saying in Philippians. So if, so if our lives are taken from us, we are instantaneously taken into the very presence of Christ. What shall separate you from the love of God? Nothing. In all these things, you are more than conquerors. And so Paul put it this way, and God, through Paul, put your status as a victor in a mathematical equation in the New Testament. You in Christ are more than a conqueror. You in Christ are more than a conqueror. There's a literal mathematic equation in the New Testament that tells you of your status in Christ as a victor in him. Amen? And so that nothing can remove you from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate you. So then Paul finishes it up with, with a couple of the most famous verses in the New Testament. Verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Now the question arises in this, and I haven't really tackled this, and maybe I should just, I, I could bring out the punting unit right now and punt this for when we pick it up in Romans 9 through 11, right? Of all these things, there is, I, I believe, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer, I, I'm, I'm not a Calvinist, okay? I'm not a Calvinist. I believe that you can freely choose the, the love of Christ. Believe that's the choice you have. You can't do anything for your salvation, but you can choose the love of Christ or you can deny, right? So of all these things, you, you are not in that verse, but there's nothing outside of you that can remove you from the love of God, that can separate you from the love of God. Neither death nor life, whether you live or die, 
angels or principalities, the entire power structure in the unseen realm cannot remove you from the love of God. Things in the, in the present or things to come, what's happening now in your life or things that will happen tomorrow in a year, two years, five years, 10 years, 50 years, maybe if we're all, you know, some of us, maybe not. Some of you, younger people here. Trey has the chance to, to live in three centuries if he lives to 101, believe it or not, yep which would be cool. Um, but nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Neither height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So here's the, here's the answer. Continue in Christ. Abide in Christ. As you continue down this path, I tell you what, there is nothing within me that could... I am confirmed in the faith. I am confirmed in the faith. I believe down in the center of my heart and my spirit, down into... I mean, I, I, I got to believe it's even down in cellular. <laughs> It's down into the physical and the spiritual and it just permeates. When you commit your life to Christ and you continue in that and you have faith and you know that Jesus Christ is your Savior and you continue in that day and night, you confess Him as Lord. And I, Christian, confess Him as Lord. He's your Lord and Savior. Call upon the name of Christ every day. Confess him as Lord. Believe upon him. Trust him. Tell him every day, Lord, you are it. We sang it tonight. There is none beside you. Tell him every day. There's nobody else, Lord. There's nobody else but you. There's none beside you. I want to build my life upon you. And if you'll build your life and you'll allow the Lord to build your life in him and on him, nothing can separate you from the love of God. You will literally be confirmed in salvation in the faith of Jesus Christ. Amen? And this is all to say that God's purpose will be done. Amen? God's will will be done. God's purpose will be accomplished. And that's something that should encourage the believer. As we look around the world and see all the things that are happening and, and whether things get better or they get worse. If they get better or they get worse, we know one thing as a believer, that God's got the whole world under control and his will and purpose will be accomplished. And we've already skipped ahead. We've already skipped ahead. Remember? Spoiler, spoiler alert. Everybody was worried about spoilers, you know, with Marvel, with Endgame. I actually read things on the, a good friend will not ruin the movie for another friend. Right? If you're a true friend, you won't spoil the movie. true. We've already read ahead. We've read the last chapter, chapter 22 of Revelation. We read some of it on Saturday night. We're heading to the throne of God. Amen. The very throne of God, the tree of life, 
the crystal river and the crystal sea and everything else he has for us. Amen? Amen. It's not going to be harps and bows and chubby baby cherubs. It's going to be blow your mind type stuff. Amen? Amen? So be encouraged tonight. We will win. You're a winner. If you're in Christ, you're a winner. Just keep abiding in him.